you first came here when it was back in 95. David, I'm 96, so I was, I was not even born yet. <laughs> Halo teman-teman semuanya, nama gue Andreas, and this is Love, Life, Millennial. <laughs> Alright, this week will be a super exciting episode, especially for those of you who might be curious and wanted to have a little bit of a sneak peek to how you run a business in China and especially in this case, uh, he's a restaurant owner in Shanghai. I, I met him a couple of months ago and he was a really good friend of mine now. So yeah, today we decided to talk as usual before we start. Let's get to know him more. So David, first of all, thanks a lot for agreeing to share your stories. It's really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what do you do, and yeah, your life here? Hey, hi Andres. Uh, thanks for having me here. Yeah. I'm David. I'm from Singapore. I'm 55 now. Mm-hmm. And I've been in China since uh, December of 2002. So I've been here for about 17 and a half years now. Wow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's already almost three quarters of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. During these 17 years, what have you seen in this country? <laughs> Obviously a lot. Well, I think for us in the category of being in China for about 20 years, we have seen the development of uh, China in the last 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. So this is really a miraculous part of the history of China. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think there's ever a country that has achieved such rapid economic development. Wow. So we are mm-hmm. actually quite lucky to witness this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what was the first trigger for you to come here? Like, what happened back then? Well, uh, I remember back in the 19s, early 1990s, mm-hmm. back in those days, our former Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew was encouraging a lot of Singaporeans to get out of our comfort zone in Singapore to explore the markets in Southeast Asia, in mm-hmm. China, mm-hmm. and other parts of the world. And uh, somehow rather, I guess I was uh, also affected by this. But I think the main thing was uh, back in 1995, I had a partner from Australia and we're looking at uh, distributing their products into the Chinese market. And yep. that's what triggered us, uh, myself and my partners to explore the Chinese market. I see. So actually the government gave an incentive at that point of time to, for you to come to migrate to you know, anywhere part of the country? Unfortunately, the answer is no. I mean, there was a lot of encouragement of Singaporeans to venture out of the country of Singapore, but yeah. there wasn't any actual real incentives given to us. It's just a pure encouragement by, <laughs> by the Singapore government. Oh, but it yeah. but it was enough for you, you know, to finally venture out of your country. <laughs> Maybe it's the adventurous heart in me and my partners that yeah, uh, yeah. make us do this. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. At the time, you were like probably if you said you were 55, that means it's around 37, huh? Uh, yeah, I was in my mid 30s then, uh, mm-hmm. still quite young and adventurous. <laughs> Would you say yeah. your your life in Singapore at that time was pretty comfortable? Yeah, I think back in those days, uh, life has been quite comfortable for me in Singapore. But maybe myself, I was in the military before, so the adventurous spirit in me spurred me to <laughs> <there>. explore. <laughs> And yeah, so market, yeah. at that time, when you first came to China, obviously it's not as developed as today. How did you find this country? Like, was it just as how you expected it when you wanted to come? Just to maybe go back a little bit, I first came to China in 1995 to explore the market. Mm-hmm. At the time, I came to Shanghai and then made a 
trip to Suzhou to look at the industrial development, mm-hmm. the Singapore Suzhou industrial development industrial park over there. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, the Singaporeans that I met back then actually told us we have to be careful coming to China. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are, we will be so called uh, cheated by the local Chinese. Oh, that was the first warning mm-hmm. uh, given to me back then. Uh, so we explored the market in Shanghai, explored the market in Suzhou, and that was mm-hmm. huge building construction mm-hmm. developments yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So my partners and myself we said, okay, we uh, put our plans on hold. We see how the country uh, moves on. And then we came back again in 1997. Again, there was huge development everywhere. Sure. sure. But back then we were still not so ready. And uh, then in 2002, middle of 2002, uh, some of my friends were posted to China into Shanghai actually. Mm-hmm. So there were then some opportunities for us to undertake some projects, and that's where we make our final decision to come to uh, start the business in China. I see. I see. So, of course, the uh, looking back, the business environment in Singapore and China is a huge, huge uh, difference. Yeah. First of all, in terms of the size, Singapore, as you know, compared to China, Singapore mm-hmm. is very, very small. Yeah. So the market is really small. The Chinese market is really, very huge. Mm-hmm. Number two. I think in Singapore doing business is pretty straightforward. Yeah. But in China, everything in business is based on quantity. Yeah. So this is the what the main difference between doing business in Singapore and China. Wow. I mean, you first came here when it was back in '95. David, I'm '96, so I was I was not even born yet. <laughs> But yeah, you were right.、Um, even though my stay in China was only around six to seven years, I can totally understand when you said. Quantity or relationship—that、yeah. is a really crucial factor when、That's、you want、right. to establish a business kind of relationship or even any kind of social setting. To be fair,、right. um, can I just、uh, go back a little bit? When you first venture here in '95 and '97, what kind of sector are you looking at? Like, is it always construction or? Yeah, actually, I came to China Shanghai to do my construction business.、Mm-hmm. Today I'm still、uh, doing some of my construction business, but on a very limited scale.、Mm-hmm. In between, I also started to get involved with、uh, other kind of businesses, and a lot of it is all real estate related. Oh, property and real estate have always been、uh, your forte, lah. Even、yeah. back in Singapore. Yeah, the strike from the construction projects. I actually venture into real estate consultancy, focusing on、uh, mm-hmm. real estate financing,、mm-hmm. as well as architectural design. Back in two o o five, my partner and myself had the opportunity to become China's rep for Mipim. Which is the world's largest、uh, real estate exhibition.、Wow. So on this platform, we actually、uh, bring a lot of Chinese、uh, developers, investors to participate in the exhibition in、mm-hmm. France in Cannes. Wow! And also on this platform, we actually bring in a lot of foreign real estate investors, developers into the Chinese market.、Mm-hmm. So we were serving as a bridge, as a platform to enable the Chinese and the foreign developers, the funds, the investors to get to know each other. Yep. And、uh, this happened until about 2008, where we had to.、Uh, Give up the、uh, representation because、uh, another bigger boy wanted to take over the role. 
I see. I see. Yeah. No wonder you were saying in Singapore it was pretty limited because construction there is very parallel to the land size, right? And That's here right. in China, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But when you said you met challenges here, aside right. from maybe you were um, duped the first time, right? right? What was like the biggest factors do you think you encounter during your first time? I think the challenges I was saying. Singapore market, although very small, but it is less competitive in the sense that maybe in Singapore for a project we might have like ten competitors bidding for one project. Yeah. But in China, although the size <laughs> is huge, the market is huge, but we might be going against a hundred, two hundred competitors going for the same project. Mm-hmm. So therefore, relatively speaking, the competition is is much greater. So number two is also the quantity. Uh, because in China, without the Quan C, I think the chances of you securing a project will be much lesser than yeah, the probability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Singapore, when I was in Singapore, mm-hmm. when I was uh, bidding for a project, I think my success rate was only about maybe about seventy to eighty percent. Wow! But in my uh, second, third year of my business in China, my success rate was only like. Twenty <laughs> percent. So wow. it was indeed a uh, the other way around. <laughs> yeah. In fact, at that stage, my morale was pretty low because uh, I was quite used to uh, achieving high success rate in my uh, business development securing projects. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I also got to learn to manage my expectation. Mm-hmm. I think the other challenge is collection of money when we do our project. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Singapore. I think it's pretty straightforward. People do business quite straightforward. We sign our contract, we provide our service, we do our work properly, we hand over our projects properly. Most of the time, we are able to collect our money. But I think China is quite a bit different. Yeah. Many times you have to spend a lot of effort, a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, use some means to be able to collect our project money. I see. So how did you finally overcome that? Like, is it purely on just building your network, or did you actually manage to find, let's say, a certain edge lah for you to be to succeed better than your competitors? Of course, firstly, we have to do our work properly. Uh, mm-hmm. Make sure the quality of our work is up to speed. Number two, we must also build up a good quality relationship with our customers, mm-hmm. our subcontractors, all the different partners in the project. I think that is very very important. I see. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest one of the biggest walls for especially other foreigners that unlike Singaporeans, they are not really familiar with Chinese language. Right? That's right. Yeah. Developing quantity it becomes really um, it's like a pain factor for them right. because it's it's hard right to master the language. Right? So right. maybe you think like your Chinese, the fact that you are already can already speak yeah. Chinese before you come here is like yeah. an advantage for you. Uh, yeah, I think for most Singaporeans the advantage we have is our ability to speak dual language English and uh, Chinese yeah. and this actually helps us a lot especially the foreigners but I must say that 20 years ago when I came to China the foreigners as, a, as in the westerners mm-hmm. very few of them could speak any Chinese yeah. but now whoa 
most of the foreigners that met here they could even speak better Chinese than me really really wow. and so I guess people like us from Singapore from Singapore we are losing our advantage <laughs> in this area too yeah, yeah so yeah. definitely the ability to speak the Chinese language uh, goes a long way to help us in uh business yeah and especially during those times i don't think a lot of chinese people were also able to speak english right i mean that's compared right. to now yeah that's right uh, yeah now you see that uh, many of the chinese a lot of them could speak a lot of uh, different languages such as english spanish french german mm-hmm. with the ability to speak the foreign languages and the westerners with the ability to speak the chinese language mm-hmm. that makes uh, singaporeans uh, <laughs> lose our competitive advantage sure. in this area now yeah. yeah sure can we explore a little bit about this guanxi like is there a certain practice or is there a certain habit that we need to know when let's say uh, somebody wants to approach a laoban in china and just you know to talk about business lah do you see like a trend like maybe you should do this better and there's like maybe a cultural thing that's going on that you have to establish first beforehand yeah i think anyone when he meets a, a chinese boss or somebody high up in the mm-hmm. management most of the time to build a guanxi you probably have have to invite him out for a meal or mm-hmm. for a drink mm-hmm. of course some people they might invite them for a karaoke session or maybe a golf session simply maybe with a for a badminton or game session this yeah. interaction actually helps to build the quancy mm-hmm. and uh, i think a lot of times business relationship is uh, built up this way it's not just purely on the discussion in the meeting room in the office Mm. Yeah. What do you personally like? What was your personal favorite? <laughs> uh, minimum, we should invite our customers or business associate for a meal mm-hmm. or for a drink, mm-hmm. and this uh, this is where we can break the ice. We can talk yeah. about other things besides business. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I invite my uh, customers to maybe have a game of soccer because I play soccer in ah. Shanghai. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So depending on the the likes of the opposite the customers we can actually yeah. organize different kind of things so that brings up one more thing uh, the yeah. ability to drink <laughs> oh yes uh, i think the ability to drink in china is uh, very important yeah especially if you are doing business in the uh, northern part of china oh yeah i think although <laughs> all the chinese bosses or china chinese uh, management they like to drink but especially in the northern part of china where yeah. they can drink the baijiu yeah, yeah. cuz i guess that's where in there it's a little bit colder right so they're used to drinking more alcohol <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. they say to warm it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if you're talking about legal stuff is there any certain regulation here that you know foreigners need to be aware of maybe irrespective of what sector they want to delve into I think by and large the Chinese are quite law abiding they go by the contract mm-hmm. so it is actually very important when you do a business deal to have a proper contract signed mm-hmm. For big contracts, important contracts, I would suggest that you get a lawyer to go through the contract. Like I said, by and large, the Chinese are pretty law-abiding. Mm-hmm. You know, in Singapore and in many parts of the world, in the Western world, in Southeast Asia, most of the time we negotiate, and once we sign a contract, <laughs> we will adhere to the spirit and to the terms that is being stated in the contract. <laughs> But in China, it's not this way most of the time. The signing of the contract is just the beginning of the business relationship. Mm. Although just now I said that by and large the Chinese are pretty law abiding, 
but uh, having a contract signed, you will still need to, like what I said, maintain a good relationship mm-hmm. with your partners, with the with your clients, yeah, yeah, yeah. to ensure that the contract is being fulfilled accordingly. I see, and yes. also maybe you have to still discuss some terms and conditions along the way so that that's both right. parties are satisfied, right? That's right, that's right. Oh, that's I see. Right. Uh, but when you say they are law-abiding, what happened back then when you were like duper? Uh, well, there were times in my earlier days when, uh, for example, the partners say that they have a project here where we oh. can secure, they can help us to secure the project and they ask for advance payment. Oh, uh, so being the, as naive as we were, we give them this advance payment but in the end they couldn't secure the contract for us but there was no recourse for us. So we tried our best to chase the payment back. Lucky we, sh- we are able to get some of our mm-hmm. payment back but in certain times uh, we are not able to get what we are back so we just write it off mm-hmm. as our uh, so-called uh, business loss. Yeah. Uh, there were also incidents where the customers, we executed the project, the customer just closed shop and then they just ran away. In those days, I think it was pretty hard to take legal action against the customers. It's pretty hard to uh, go after them. Mm -hmm. But I think situation has changed a lot now. Now everything is uh, all linked by internet. Mm -hmm. Everything is uh, all being recorded with the banks, with the government authorities. So it's much easier to go after the uh, the companies now if you get into any problem with them. Yeah, Yeah, I think that really helps for everybody to Mm. be more compliant to the rules just because we are so easily tracked by the government, (laughs) whatever we do. To digress a little bit, I was really shocked. At one time in the street, I saw a man, he was jaywalking and he got caught by the police and then he was just, the police just asked him, what's your ID number? The police can literally open a whole archive of this guy on his phone. Like it's super long. Yeah, it freaks me out. (laughs) What would happen if it were me? (laughs) That's right. Now China is so advanced in all this uh, database monitoring. Yeah. And even for us now, when we set up a company, when you go into the internet to check, you can actually trace all the companies mm. that you have uh, invested in mm-hmm. and if you have any uh, records or any legal case it's all easily available to you f- mm. to check yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but we were also just now talking about the ability to speak chinese right so yes. if a foreigner wants to try to you know to strive here right. but he's not able to speak fluent chinese what mm. would you recommend like would you maybe advise him to find a chinese local partner i, I think looking for partner it's very important for any foreigners who wants to try to start a business in uh, China. But before that, I would advise any potential investor into China to do their homework properly, do proper market research, understand the uh, Chinese market, understand the market for his business or his product. Mm-hmm. If uh, he needs to look for a Chinese partner, make sure to look for a good Chinese partner. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, if he does invest into China, mm-hmm. one of the very important advice that I want to give is that you must be in China to look after the business or look after the companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because over the years, I've seen many of my fellow Singaporeans or fellow foreigners, uh, they sell the company, they thought they can leave it to their local partners or local employees to uh, yeah. manage the company. But most of the time, it's either the Chinese partners or Chinese employee run away with the company or maybe 
they will cheat the company of their money yeah. or something will happen something bad will happen yeah got it uh, so really i think it's important for yeah the foreigners to be here personally or if not have a trusted person here to look yeah. after the business for him in that sense i guess it's also better a more ideal case that if the foreigners can also learn Chinese along the way, right? So not only purely dependent on this partner because then he's like nothing but a wallet, right? He yeah. just gives money but he doesn't know anything about what he's doing in China. That's right, that's right. I think learning the language uh, and also learning the culture is mm. very, very, very important. And I don't think it's uh, difficult to learn the Chinese language, actually. Mm. I have uh, fellow Singaporeans who could not speak a single word of Chinese when they came here. Now they could speak very fluent Chinese. Mm. So, yeah, learning the language and uh, learning the culture sure. is definitely very important. Right. So, how is it now for you? After 17 years, what are you doing now? Like, here, yeah, of course, now you own a restaurant and uh, <laughs> yeah. that... Yeah, that has really good food, by the way. <laughs> uh, well, I'm still doing my uh, real estate consultancy business. Mm-hmm. You were saying the Singapore restaurants. Well, actually, I'm not in the F&B business. I'm actually a long-time customer of this restaurant called Orchard CRC or Orchard Crossroad Cafe for short. Yep. This restaurant has been in Shanghai for about 20 over years now. Mm-hmm. I've been a regular customer for many, many years. Well, sometime uh, in February this year, because of the COVID, mm-hmm. uh, my friend couldn't come back to Shanghai. So back in February, it was critical because he was supposed to pay up the rental. He was supposed to pay up the uh, mm-hmm. debt going to the suppliers. If he could not pay up this, the landlord would probably take back the restaurant and uh, this restaurant would close. Yep. So my, my friend spoke to me and then I decided to... Take over to continue the legacy of this uh, Orchard CRC. I mean, the restaurant has been around for 20 over years. The food that is served is one of the most authentic uh, Singapore restaurant in yeah. Shanghai and probably maybe in China. Mm-hmm. So uh, my friend and myself endeavor to keep the uh, legacy of Orchard CRC to go on for at least in the next 10 years. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can definitely testify to that. <laughs> right. You know, it took me three or four months, but I think now I have tasted almost 80% of the menu and right. I've been liking it so far. Not gonna mm-hmm. lie. <laughs> Happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, not very much in the FMB business, more mm-hmm. on the real estate consultancy. That's right. Even until this point. That's right. But uh, on this FMB thing, well, my partners and myself and even some other potential investors have been talking to me to explore the possibility of growing this, uh, the Singapore brand Orchard CRC. I think there's very good potential to expand the uh, restaurant business. Oh, so go to franchise, huh? Yeah, we will probably look at franchising or open more of uh, this restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in Shanghai and also in some cities in Jiangsu, Zhejiang and even Beijing where the acceptance of uh, Singapore mm. food is uh, very high yes. and okay. like I said the Chinese market is very big there's like first tier second tier cities in China numbers are about 100 to about 200 cities actually mm-hmm. so there's a very big market for this uh, good F&B in China oh mm. so now after you've been doing this for let's say 5 months you see some potential for you to go even further now yeah 
definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, especially with your experience with real estate, I guess mm-hmm. that gives you a little bit of an insight to what's the better strategic place or locations and. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in China, I ordered Hainan chicken a lot of times, and definitely enjoy uh, Singaporean food. And also because in here you also have fusion Malaysian food as well, right? That's right. Actually, in Shanghai, besides Singapore, Malaysia, we have uh, also quite a number of uh, Southeast Asian restaurants like Thai, Vietnamese. Oh, you also yeah, operate Indonesian. there? Uh, so the acceptance of uh, Southeast Asian food now in China, in Shanghai, is very, very good. A lot of China Chinese are actually very exposed now. They I have see. traveled a lot over the world. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of Chinese can accept all this uh, Southeast Asian or Western food. Sure, yeah. yeah. Especially since now they are also looking to invest in these countries. They are, That's they, right. As you yeah. said, they want to be more exposed to the cultural um, points of each of these countries, right? Right, yeah. So you, you told us about the story of you being a little bit scammed. It was a negative experience, but right. what was your best positive experience when you do business in China? Well, I think in China, there are still a lot of business opportunities that we get. We'll never be able to get in Singapore and perhaps in other parts of mm-hmm. the world. There are still a lot of uh, real estate development going on. There mm-hmm. are still a lot of investment mm-hmm. projects and investment opportunities going on. Sizes of uh, real estate development projects in China, when we say it's big, it's really big compared to Singapore. Sure. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, we have made our money in the past uh, securing projects and uh, I believe, although the market has somehow matured more these few years, but there's still a lot of opportunities oh, there okay. for us to make money. When you say big, is it like 10 times or like say 100 times? Or how big it is? I would say if we compare to Singapore, yeah, it could be like 20, 50 times bigger than that of Singapore. Wow. I just suddenly thought of this. Uh, when you say you run a real estate consultancy, right? Do you manage Singaporean people or Chinese people? I have uh, both Singapore and uh, Chinese partners. I see. Yeah, right. Okay, and, and I mean, like, I'm just curious, like, what happened to these Singaporean people because, you know, COVID. I have some Singapore friends or partners. Uh, some of them have managed to come back to China. There are some that are still stuck in Singapore. So in the last few months, somehow or other, the development or the speed of the business has somehow slowed down. But mm-hmm. uh, it's still moving. There are still projects, there are still cases that we are still working on. Yeah. So hopefully the COVID will pass hopefully soon by end of this year, not early next year. So we can get back to our normal speed. Yeah. I see. Okay. Okay, and now you just now mentioned you wanted to explore more of this mm. F&B sector. Right. Uh, I'm just curious, aside from construction, real estate, property, mm. F&B, has there any other sector that you have tried to explore in the past? Just like any overview of those? One of the other areas that I've been doing, which I've been still doing now, mm-hmm. is uh, I do bring some of these Chinese companies to the Middle East, uh, Saudi Arabia in particular, mm-hmm. to bring them to undertake project or to form JV with my Saudi partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now in Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, the country is transforming a lot. 
current Crown Prince have a program called Vision 2030 where they are transforming the whole of Saudi Arabia. So now there's also a lot of business opportunities in Saudi Arabia. A lot of Chinese companies are also exploring the opportunities over there now. You find that uh, in the past, foreigners are coming to China, China. and China now is going out. now you see that the Chinese are getting out of the country to the other parts of the world as well, especially along the uh, One Belt One Road program. Yep, that's correct. And what's also astonishing for me was there was a time because I do research in my company, we were looking at a lot of Chinese companies in Africa right now because that's they right, yeah. that country is, has still a lot of room for development, right? Maybe that that's country right. was like how you see China seven years ago. That's right. And that's yeah. why a lot of China investors are exploring over there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider settling down here for the long term? I mean, you've been here for long, but <laughs> do you see yourself longer? Well, I can only say that I see myself here in the next three to five years. Beyond that, I can't really see where I'll be going. But of mm. course, one day eventually I'll go back to Singapore for my retirement. Oh, I see. So yeah. you still plan to retire in Singapore? Yeah, Singapore is our hometown. We are still Singaporeans. We are still need to go back to our hometown, oh, homeland in the future. Oh, so you still maintain also your contacts lie in Singapore? That's right. My family, <laughs> my friends are all still in Singapore. <laughs> yeah, because I also heard from you that your family, uh, your son, and your other like your wife are also in Singapore, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yes. So you actually here alone in China? That's correct. Yes. Very adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's good because uh, I meet a lot of different people from different countries, mm-hmm. and also the Chinese people. They come from all over China, different province with a different culture and different language too. So it's really, really very interesting living mm-hmm. and working in uh, Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it definitely has been a very transformative journey. Like even for me, the way we see things, the way we experience, and also their working habits. Right? Do you see Chinese people? I mean, like if you compare Singaporean and Chinese people, yeah, do you see any difference, like in the way they work? Well, yes, definitely. I see a lot of difference. I think the difference is their mindset. Back in those days, maybe 15, 20 years ago, we always say that Chinese, their the cost of their salary is low. In terms of productivity, their productivity is low as well because uh, Singaporeans can be multitask,、mm-hmm. whereas the Chinese can't.、Mm-hmm. Therefore, the cost of employing the Chinese is very high、mm-hmm. in terms of productivity.、Mm-hmm. Nowadays. The cost of、uh, employing the Chinese is not low either. In fact,、uh, it can be said in Shanghai itself, a good senior management for employing a Chinese is much higher than those of、really? in Singapore. I、yes. see. What would be the range? Like thirty, forty-five thousand per month. I think a good senior manager or general manager in Shanghai now, you probably have to pay maybe fifty to eighty thousand RMB a month. Maybe higher than those that you're going to pay for Singapore senior manager,、yeah. and then on top of that, most of the time you have to give them incentive. an incentive at the end、sure. of the year. Yeah, and then also in China, we have to also cater for the social security payment and medical, which will take up another about forty over percent of the cost. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so overall, the cost of employing Chinese in China is also getting very, very high now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. with a lot of this social and medical coverage, right? That's right, yeah. With your, you know, insights being here 17 years again, that is still a very amazing number for me. Um, what do you think is like the lucratious sector now? Is there still any potential investment that could be made that is still very huge? Well, I think China has moved into this uh, e-commerce AI. So I think anything in this sector will, will still have a lot of room to grow, especially with the recent COVID pandemic, the uh, working from home, buying things on the internet, doing business on the internet is a big thing now. Yeah. yeah. But again, I think the traditional business such as uh, education, medical, yeah. Even the real estate, I think there are still good okay. opportunities. What about manufacturing? Because I think now the labors are not that cheap anymore. You also said that. That's right. I think in China, manufacturing has been pretty tough unless you are into all this high-tech manufacturing. Yeah. But with the current pandemic, with the current uh, trade war between China and the United States, uh, yeah. yeah The manufacturing industry has been facing a lot of challenges these few years too. I see, I see. Wow, okay. Yeah, so for those of you who are listening, if you want to spread your wings, spread your business here in China, then now you know what kind of sectors you might want to look into. But yeah, I agree with David when he says that in the global stage, definitely it's going to be technology, AI, e-commerce. But also one thing that I think China is still very strong at Just to add from my side, is solar panel. I think renewable energy, uh, China is still one of the leaders. They have created a lot of major improvements uh, in the development of these solar battery cells. Uh, it used to be very big, now it can just be super portable and then it just gets even more and more modular. So, That's uh, right. Because yeah. Yeah. I also know that you just recently do something that is related with power, right? Yeah, that's right. I think uh, for renewable energy, I think China has been one of the biggest markets in the world. Mm-hmm. Like what Andres just said, uh, Energy storage is now the next big thing mm-hmm. because besides being able to produce energy from the nature, storing it and night on is actually very important now. It's a very, very big thing now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, and China is at the forefront of this technology development of this uh, renewable energy, energy storage. Yeah. I see. Okay. Right, I think today I have learned a lot from talking to you, David. Just yeah, just as a final remark, yeah, to close this conversation and put it all together. Um, what would be your advice or your comments to people that is obviously looking at China with a very prospective eyes? <laughs> well, I think China has the potential to continue to grow to develop. Mm-hmm. The market is really huge, you know, with the one point four billion. Population, yep. mm-hmm. but again, like I said, you have to proceed with cautious. Make sure you do your market study, market research. When you come here, look for the right partner. Mm-hmm. Make sure you look after the company, look after the business itself. If not, send a trusted person to be here to look after the business. And uh, when you do business in China, just be careful. Just be cautious. Contractual-wise, be with the people that you're dealing Always with. Document, huh? Documentation, build the quantity with, with your customers, with your suppliers. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been really fun listening to your stories, how you first got scammed. Maybe that was one of the biggest lessons that you learned, but that has shaped your business practices into right. what you have achieved today. And I believe that uh, everything, you know, happens for a reason, right? So right. Uh, I also definitely like the way you first you showed empathy to your friend to help them to help him run his restaurant business and now you you yourself can also grow in this sector and of course i wish you the best because uh, i've been really enjoying your restaurant especially it has a bar on the third floor so any of you guys who are listening if you're in shanghai go and try it's called orchard crc you can find it on tianping at tianping yes <laughs> yeah and we also have a lot of events here right and right, it was right. one of the reasons when why i came to this to this place in the first place <laughs> yeah so David, thank you so much for sharing. It has been a great lesson for me. I hope it's also it also inspires the listeners for them to have better knowledge about China and just to grow in general. Thanks, Andres, for having me. Yep. Okay. okay. For the listeners, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a good day. Have a good weekend and an even better one ahead. For now, I'll be saying bye bye to David. Bye, Andres. Thank you. Yep. Bye bye. Bye.